0: This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. Good to see you here. I bless you. Good day to be in the house of the Lord. I thoroughly enjoyed the communion elements today. I think it's a big deal to heaven when we partake. And so pray blessings over every one of you off the communion elements. If you need a Bible, once you get your hand up really, really high. Our ushers would gladly put the word of God in your hand. Once you get that, go with me to 2 Chronicles 7. Uh, you'll go through the Samuels, the Kings, and then the 2 Chronicles 7, which is a historical passage. Once we get there, many you will recognize where we're going. As you're turning there, uh, just remember tonight at 5, we have these, these groups that are beginning to kick off tonight. If you're not aware of them, you can scan the code, you can go out to the info table, But I I really welcome you to get involved. It'll give you a little bit of community. And, uh, you know, there in the Proverbs, it says iron sharpens iron. So we believe that's what's going to happen. All right. We hit this week again, another another week here on prayer. I, I pray that this really stirs within you, that this gives you a little biblical insight on the area of prayer. So we begin in 2 Chronicles 7, verse number 12. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night. And again, this was King David's son. Solomon. And the Lord said to him, I've heard your prayer. The Lord said, I've heard your prayer. And so the issue with this right here is we don't know if it was a week, a month, or years, but, but the Lord heard his prayer. And so I, I highlight that. There's always hope if we'll pray. I don't care what you're going through in life. There's always hope with prayer. So he goes on and says, and I've chosen this place for myself of His house of sacrifice. But then it turns a little bit here and he said, when I shut up heaven and there is no rain or I command the locusts to devour the land or I send pestilence among my people. And so something here within humanity has caused God to use the terminology when I shut up heaven. And he said, when I shut up heaven, I, I stop the rain and you're going to get some locusts, and you're going to get some pestilence. And if you'll notice at the end of this verse, he addresses it to his people. To his people. Now, you got to highlight that because we start in verse 14, and I want you to note how he starts verse 14. If my people... If my people, so when we see here the word his people, he's talking about people that are in covenant with him, people that are born again. If my people who are called by my name, wow, who identify with the name of Jesus would, number one, would humble themselves. And so part of the issue here is the opposite of humility is pride. And it's interesting, he said, if, if you would humble yourself, if you would renounce the pride in your life, and if you've ever studied the Bible, Proverbs 16, 18 says, pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. Haughty is pride and haughty will make you naughty. I'm just telling you right now. Haughty is not good. And so if you got pride in your life and you do not renounce it, if you do not turn from it, you might as well get ready. You're going to be with destruction and there's going to be a fall. And so he said, if you would just humble yourself, if you would call out to me, you act like you don't need me, is what he's talking about. Because he said, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray. And actually pray. Not just talk about prayer, but would actually pray. And even in my prayers, it would become an admission of my weakness. I said, Father God, man, I, I gotta have you. You know, prayer is an earthly event that gets heaven's attention. And so he says, Humble yourself and pray. And the next one, he says, if you would seek my face, if you would look to me continually. When's the last time I've sought his face? Where I got before him day by day by day by day. And so he says, humble, pray, seek his face. And the fourth one he said is, turn from your wicked ways. So when we talk about repentance, repentance is confessing my sin, but there, there can no be real convent, uh, confession of sin without the changing of my behavior. And so the four hallmarks were, humble, praise, seek his face, and turn from his wicked ways, and look how he ends this. Then, then, in other words, after you've done these, Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I'll heal their land. And so the promise results, God will hear the prayer. He will cleanse from sin and he will bring a healing where it is needed, whether for it's a church or a nation or a people. Kind of seems like a prescription for the United States of America right now, huh? And I believe God's still enlisting people that will humble and pray. Seek his face. And so this begins to challenge us in a way biblically. Now, turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 1. First Samuel chapter 1. And this is a passage of scripture that I, I believe, ooh, it's going to resonate within us today, I promise you. It's going it's to speak to us, I don't care who you are. And so I'm going to be in 1 Samuel 1 the rest of this this morning. So when you get to 1 Samuel 1, if you were to go back in the the Old Testament, you would go back to the book of Ruth and then the book of Judges. At the end of Judges, Judges 21-25, it makes this comment and it says, And the people did what was right in their own eyes. That's why we must have the Bible. That's why we must have the word of God. That if me and you did everything according to our own eyes, where would you be at right now? I got an idea. You'd either be in jail or you'd probably be dead. So just to help you with that, the people did what was right in their own eyes. So let's just say there's no laws in Lubbock, Texas. And every morning between 7 and 30 and 8.30, there are no laws. So when everybody's going to work and getting on the loop, everybody just does what they think is right. Now, what do you think that would look like? In Lubbock, Texas, in the mornings when we do have laws, it's bad enough on the loop as it is. But without laws, can you imagine? So this is what's going on in Israel at this time, lawlessness and prayerlessness was not even around. So it is a very, very dark time in Israel. So we start in 1 Samuel 1 verse 1. Now there was a certain man, and I'm just going to stop there because it's got a bunch of crazy names in there. I, I could bluff my way through them and say them pretty close, probably. But we're not going to do that. So I'm going to highlight verse one. There was a man named name was Elkanah. You got to remember him because he's a big player in this. Elkanah was the father of the prophet named Samuel. That was his biological daddy. Elkanah was from the tribe of Levi, which is with Levitical priesthood. So when you see all this in verse 1, it talks about the city he lived, the region he lived, and actually in the hill country that he lived. So we got that clear. We go to verse 2. And I had two wives. And we got a problem. You got two wives, you got a problem. Two wives living in the same house with the same husband you got a problem. Okay. Keep reading. The name of one was Hannah and the name of the other was Penanah. And Penanah had children, but Hannah had no children. Now we got a problem right here. One had children. The other had no children. Now this was a big deal in Israel. So you're going to hear this repeated over and over here about this woman named Hannah. And to a degree that tells why Elkanah had two, two wives, because he desired to have children. Verse 3, this man went up from his city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. Now, Shiloh was the center of worship in Israel, so they would say that three times a year all the people of Israel, they would descend on this place called Shiloh. And they would come to worship and they would come to praise and it would be a, a big feast. And so every year, he would take everybody to Shiloh. The end of verse three. Also the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Finest, the priests of the Lord were there. Now, I, I believe the Bible throws this in there because this is a historical note. And the reason for this is is Eli the high priest. He had these two sons named Hophni and Phineas. These guys were priests just in name, okay? They, they were a bunch of knuckleheads. And so because of what they did within the house of God, they ultimately caused severe judgment to come upon Israel. So that's why they're in there. Verse 4. And whenever the time came for an Elkanai to make an offering, he would give portions to Peninnah's his wife, and all her sons and daughters. Now remember this in the Old Testament. When they would offer sacrifice, they would offer the, the sacrifice of animals. So he was giving her portions of meat to offer. Thank God Jesus came willing went to do that, okay? And so this is what this is talking about. Verse 5, but to Hannah he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah... Although the Lord had closed her womb. Verse six. And her rival, her housemate, her fellow wife, also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had had closed her womb. So she continually taunted her. She reminded her what a failure she was, an embarrassment. Verse seven, so it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Therefore she wept and she did not eat. And so year after year after year after year, the cycle repeated itself. And and this rival would mock her. She would ridicule her. She would make fun of her. And so Hannah, ultimately, she dreaded going to Shiloh. At this time, that was supposed to be a feast. She hated to go there. She despised because she actually knew what was fixing to take place. And so she would get to a place where she couldn't even eat. So I believe she became physically sick. Verse 8. Then Elkani, her husband, said to her, Hannah, and he's going to give these three wines. Why do you weep? And he's trying to comfort her, but he's not doing a very good job. Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than two sons? Now, he's trying to encourage her and everything. He says, I'm not better to you than two sons. I give you a double portion of the meat. And I'm wondering if Hannah's sitting there looking at him saying, you're not all that, pal. You're not quite as great to me as you think you are. And so he's trying to be sensitive, but really he's becoming insensitive. So Hannah rose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. I I believe at this time in her life, Hannah snaps. She can't take it any longer. And so the the, the scriptures here is gonna fill in the blank, but literally what this is gonna talk about She goes to the tabernacle. She goes to the house of God. Because look what it says here. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the door of the tabernacle of the Lord. So the house of God is a dwelling place. It's not a place of visitation. It's a place that we come to dwell. We come to seek God. And so she knows, I, I've got to get to the house of God. I, I've got to get to the altars of God. Verse 10. And she was in bitterness of soul. And she prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. She becomes a desperate woman. And she stirred right here to pray. A woman, the Bible said right there, that she was in bitterness of soul. Now, you know what? We can come in here on Sunday mornings and we can look cool, calm, and collected on the outside. But on the inside, this may define you right now. You may be bitterness of soul. And when we we read this passage here, We're we're talking about a woman whose womb is barren. But I believe this applies to every one of us in here. Every one of us in here have the barrenness of something within our heart right now. And, And maybe just today that bareness would give way to call out to God that he would birth something within you. And the bareness I'm talking about, it, it could be the bareness of a job, the bareness of a dream, the bareness of, of a relationship. See, it looks totally different when we present it that way, but I believe every one of us in here, there's something barren within us. And if we were truthful, is there something within you today? And I'm saying, Father God, I I need you to give birth to this. Wow. Hmm. So what we're going to do here for the next 10 verses, we're going to follow the steps of this woman named Hannah. I'm going to tell you, it's incredible. Verse number 11. Then she made a vow and said to said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, and I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. She makes this vow. Now, vow is, is an inner vow on the inside. And when we make these inner vows or these vows to God, and you don't want to mess around with God on these areas, okay? You start making these vows to God, you, you need to be uh, uh, obligated to say, I'm going to follow through, Father God. So this woman named Hannah is making these vows to God, and she said, you give me a male child, and I'll raise him as a Nazarite, which meant a certain way all his life. So literally, we you know what she's saying? I'm going to dedicate him back to you. Now, we know where this story goes. Hold I mean, this is the prophet Samuel who she's talking about. But something very interesting that I believe we got to get today. In Hannah's prayer, she didn't beat around the bush. She didn't say, Father God, just, just give me whatever you want to give me. She specifically and precisely said, Lord... Give me a male child. Can we do that? I believe personally God loves it when we get that specific. And and you know in in Psalms 37 it says that God gives us the desires of our heart. And so there is something within you that's bare and that needs to be birthed today. And part of your prayer assignment, get male specific. Become very precise. Well, Father God, I just want a car. Well, do you want a red one or a blue one? Do you want two-door, four-door, or do you want a pickup? Do you want four-wheel drive or no-wheel drive? So when God brings us a car and he gives us this car that has no wheels, we look at God and say, wait, that's not, no, you didn't ask for anything but a car. Now, ultimately, I'm going to quote some scripture for you, but one way to keep your heart in line with that is James chapter 4, verses 1, 2, 3, 4. You study that, and it will keep your heart aligned with God, okay? In other words, God's not going to give you something you can't handle, okay? Is there something precise right now? So we keep reading, verse 12. And it happened as Hannah continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. Eli's observing her. He's checking her out. Now Hannah spoke in her heart only. Her lips moved. But her voice was not heard. Wait wait a minute. Her lips moved but nothing came out. And so when you look at this. She poured out her soul to God. Yet her her, her lips never moved. You know, the only way to learn to pray like Hannah prayed is to actually do it. You can't go to school to learn how to pray like that. You know why? Because God's not into big religious words and big religious phrases. God just says, give me your heart. You know, I remember way back years ago, there were times the only thing I could say was Jesus. And you know what? I think God was good with that. And so I, 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 don't, I don't need to pray to try to get the approval of people. I don't pray for people to think I'm so much holier than thou. It's just like her pouring her heart out to God. Yeah. And so when I say that, let me ask you a question. When's the last time you poured out your heart to God? Maybe you say, I've never done that. So I'm studying on these lines and I I go back to days in my life where people just make incredible impacts on you. So years ago, and it was so far years ago that only a few of you remember, we used to have this carpet in here that they said it was red. It, It had so many stains and it wasn't red anymore. It was so old that I think it had grown into the concrete, into the slab. And some of you remember when we pulled that up and not only did we have this ugly red carpet, but we had these things called pews. And I don't know who named them pews, but they need to have their head examined. So some of you remember pews. And we had these red pews. And they were the definition of uncomfortable. But not only they were uncomfortable, Right over here in this section, there was about three of them. when people would get ready to go over there and pray, I'd want to say, "No, no, don't don't go over there. <laughs> you might be laid out before the Lord, because they may collapse." That's how many years ago that was. Many of you don't even remember that. Many of you didn't know that happened. So during that time, there was a, a, a husband and wife. They lived in Plains, Texas. Every Sunday morning, they would drive to church in Lubbock. But on Tuesday nights, this woman would get off work at 5 o'clock, run home, get her something to eat, jump in her car, and drive to Lubbock to be at Tuesday night prayer. Now, from Plains to here, that's, that's roughly an hour, depending on who's driving. So I remember Tuesday night after Tuesday night, she would come in here. And on these old ugly red pews right there, she would get on her knees and she would begin to pour her heart out to God. And I mean, when it was over, the the, the pew was stained with tears. I would get so moved just listening to her. And I remember Tuesday after Tuesday on her knees, she'd cry and say, God, I can't do it without you. I, I gotta have your help. I gotta have you move in my life. And she would just cry out to God. And one night I got right down there and I was pretty close to her and I began to hear her prayers. And she said, Father God, you gotta help me. He needs your wisdom. He needs your courage. He needs your strength. She said, Father God, he's very frail. And after about 30 seconds, you know who I realized she was praying for? She was praying for me. And her prayers were very precise at that time in my life. You know, oftentimes when we talk about intercessory prayer, especially among the Pentecostals, the the Charismatics, we think intercessory prayer is just praying in other tongues. The word intercession literally means to plead on behalf of another. Man, she was interceding for me. You know what? I, I welcome you interceding for me right now. I welcome that. But I've never forgot those days that that woman wasn't. She wasn't concerned the least bit of who was around. She was calling out to God, just like Hannah. Verse thirteen. Now Hannah spoke in her heart only, but her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she was drunk. It shows how messed up he was. I've seen a lot of drunks before in my life, and I've seen a lot of people pray before in my life, but I've never associated, you're praying and you're drunk. Where he got that from, I, I don't know. So look, look what he says after he accuses her of this. So Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk, woman? Put your wine away from you. Why did you bring Jack Daniels to church with you? Like he's so spiritual himself. I've always wondered this, and this is kind of how my little mind works at times. I wondered if he wanted her to put the wine down so after she left, he'd come back in. Just a a side note. But Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord. And this is incredible. No, my Lord. She honors the position of the high priest that God had put him in. Now, let me ask you something. If you went to church and you're down there pouring out your heart to God, and I come strolling down there and tell you, hey, John, quit drinking, put your bottle down, how would you respond? He would probably respond like, you need to shut up, you old fool. But yet, she honors him. She honors the position that God put him in, the calling. I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I'm extremely discouraged. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. Who see these, these phrases in the Bible here get my attention. I pray they get yours today. When's the last time you poured out your soul before the Lord like this? Where I I come just from my heart. I just pour out my heart and I call out to God. Do not consider your maid servant a wicked woman. For out of the abundance of my complaining grief, I've spoken until now. She's hanging on to God. She's praying through. She's not giving up. There, There is a tenacity with this in woman right now. Verse 17, then Eli answered and said, go in peace and the God of Israel grant your petition which you've asked of him. So Eli the priest, he comforts her. And it's interesting, his words, he he specifically said, and the God of Israel grant your petition which you've asked of him. The very thing you've asked of him. He said, God has granted your petition. And she said, let your maidservant find favor in the sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. And just a little side note for you. Or Hannah's repetition in referring to Israel, or referring to herself, as a maidservant is incredible. Because she did it in verse 11, she did it in verse 16, and she did it in verse 18. Think about the word maidservant. I'm just a servant of God. I'm just honored to be called a servant of God. See, to come before God, you don't need these big titles. You don't need this, this position. All God's looking for, just like her, is is someone that would plead on behalf of, of her heart, that would intercede. And not only was she pleading on her behalf, she was an answer to God's prayer because the nation of Israel was barren at that time, and this was God's heart, that not only would she get a male child, but God would get a man that would begin to speak to the nation of Israel and turn it back around. And so when I look at her prayers... Man, it would ultimately affect a whole, a whole nation. Man, that's the power of prayer. Verse 19. Then they rose early in the morning, and they worshiped before the Lord, and returned and came to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah's wife, and the Lord remembered her. He hadn't forgotten her. That's not what it implies But he's now getting ready to bring Hannah's prayer to being and to unfold his purpose. Now watch verse 20. So it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, saying, because I have asked for him from the Lord the because factor. What was it? I've asked of the Lord. James four two says, you have not because you have not. And so when you look at all this that's going on here, Hannah didn't deny her, her position. She just said, I'm not going to accept it. And her accepting that wasn't based on her, except her prayers. She put her entire trust in God. And she cried out to God. And so I pray this does something on the inside of every one of us today, that, that begins to stir within us. That our God is still in, in a position where He honors heartfelt prayer. He still looks to ones that will just call out to Him. I'm going to ask you to stand on your feet right now. What if we got to a place where we don't accept what is, rather we pray for what could be because, the verse 20, because, because, because I have asked for him from the Lord. And so to, to not be in prayer is actually is not being into God because prayer is paramount. So I'm just going to ask you right to, just, just bow your head here before the Lord. What's the barrenness of your heart right now? Dreams, relationships, jobs, What would happen today is if we get pregnant with prayer and in the process of time, we give birth to to God's heart through our prayers. Wow. What would happen? Maybe today we need to humble ourselves. Could be repent. The desire to pray, the desire to seek his face. I shared a story last week about a guy who was very influential as an example of a man of prayer. That same man, one night at two in the morning, his phone rang, and you know what it's like to get a phone call at two not calling to tell you won the lottery and they called him by name and said you need to get to the hospital as fast as you can he gets up there and he finds out that his son had tried to commit suicide he was at another house and he injected both of his forearms with Clorox. The doctor looked at him and said, I've done everything I know to do. He said, without a miracle, he'll die tonight. He said, when all that Clorox goes through his body and gets to his vital organs, he'll be dead. This was a man who got on his face great distress. Begin to plead, begin to intercede on behalf of this son. And he was there from two in the morning till seven the next morning on his face, crying out to God, don't let him die. Seven the next morning, the doctor comes in and looks at him and said, It's a miracle. He's still alive. He said, I don't want you to get your hopes up, but both of his arms that he shot with that Clorox, he said, he'll not have use of them any longer. It'll kill all the the cells and tissue in there. And so this guy of prayer, at first he said, I just thank God my son's still alive. And then the Lord said to him, he said, don't settle out of court with the devil. You may want to write that down. Don't settle out of court with the devil. In other words, don't put me in a box. Don't settle for what is instead of what could be. And he said, the spirit of God rose up in me and he said, Father God, the same God that caused my son to live is the same God that will heal his arms. And he did. He bowed on his knees right there and began to pray. and The son got full, full range of motion with his arms. But what happens if we don't ask? What happens if we don't seek? See, I just ask you to bow your head right here where you're at right now. Father God, we pray, Lord, your presence in here. Just come upon us, Father God, as men and women of the kingdom, the the people of God. And Lord, all over this, this sanctuary, the house of God, the people of God, Father God, ones that have given up, we we pray right now that that you stir something back within them. And and the barrenness of ones in here right now, whatever that may look like, Father God, that that you would stir that up right here, that you would rekindle dreams, that there would be something supernatural that would take place. And so if you're here today, I, I just welcome you to come down here. You may need just a touch of God on your life, you may need God to put his hand on you. You may need the breath of the Holy Spirit that God's going to move right here. And if you're watching my live stream, that's you. I respond to God here this morning. Let him work. Go ahead, God. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.